Vaughan. My next guest is one of the co-founders of the FEM Project, uh, an initi- initiative started by a group of young activists uh, who want to facilitate female empowerment through a uh, taboo-free approach to education uh, through its comprehensive sexual education and sexual reproductive workshops. It's reached over 4,000 women in rural and urban areas in the Western Cape. Uh, and one of the campaigns uh, currently being run and aimed at the at confronting the stigma around menstruation in young girls is the Cycles campaign. I'm absolutely delighted uh, to be joined uh, by somebody that I've been fangirling over for probably about two years now. Uh, it's the Femme Project's Kim Vinfuckel. Hi, how are you? Hello. Hello, Kim. How are you? Hey, I'm I'm good. How are you? Sorry, that was yes. like I was like, oh, I'm listening to the story. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, so that's what you've done. You're, you and you and your co-founders, uh, who I also know, are, are, have created the Fem Project. First of all, just give us a, a brief idea of when it came about and and who your co-founders are and what the what the aim is of the Fem Project. Oh, awesome! Um, sorry, are we live now? Yeah, we are live on air oh, right this minute. Well, hello. hello. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad to be. I'm glad, glad to be on air. Good. Um, yeah. So, Fem Project came about about four years ago in 2014. We uh, were called together as a team, actually, by another organisation, to be more specific, Transnet, to create and to design and to implement a program that focuses on comprehensive sexual education in under-resourced schools. Um, but then as the organization grew, we decided to do our own thing um, and to start to you know, take agency. We always preach agency in our workshops. Mm. So we were like, we are young. We are three women of color. Uh, we have the resources. We are able to do this thing on our own. And that is how FEM Project, which stands for Freedom of Education, Motivate Empowerment, was born. And we have been a nonprofit company for the last two years. Amazing, amazing stuff. Yes. And you've, I mean, you've, you've really, the work that you've done has been incredible. You, and I, as I was saying in the intro, you've reached over 4,000 women. Yes, yes. We've, we've, been, we've worked with more than 4,000 women in the last um, four years, um, ranging from schools in urban areas um, in Cape Town to rural areas as far as George and Oatswitten um, and Southern Dam. So we've been all over the place and each school has its own story. Why is it so important that, that we have these conversations with young women, that we are facilitating female empowerment and that we're removing the stigma and the taboo uh, from uh, issues around sexual health? Well, the world is changing, number one. Um, there's never been, in this world, there's not a lot of safe spaces or spaces for women or people who are not men to get together and to just speak about, first of all, the issues, the challenges, even the victories that we have. There's no space for us to really discuss these things, talk about it, and so that we can wrap our own minds around it, understand it, and then move forward. Never before has there really been proper space and acknowledgement given to that fact. So I feel that in the last couple of years and being in this industry, I feel that a lot of the narrative has changed to be a little bit more on the feminine side, on the feminine energy. And that is a good energy and this is a good thing. So I feel that this trend is is continuing and the world can only get better from from here. So this is why it's important because the balance, before before there, there was never any balance between the energies. And right now I feel that it is changing and we need to continue this change so that we can achieve true equality between all genders. 
I knew there was a reason I had a crush on you. Okay, good. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so how how are you received when uh, when you've been doing this work? I mean, but the, the aim, of course, is as as you just spoke about, is to um, remove the stigma, uh, teach in a in a taboo free way. Um, but yeah. obviously, there's a lot of perceptions already held. Uh, it's not necessarily sexual health um, and female sexual health is not necessarily something that people feel comfortable about initially. Um, if they did, there wouldn't be a need for you guys to be doing what you're doing. Uh, but what have been the challenges in helping people overcome uh, their lack, perhaps, of wanting to discuss this type of topic in in the way that you uh, that you come at it? Firstly, we're unapologetic about it. So mm. we go into the schools and we're extremely unapologetic about what we've come to to um, provide, or what we've come to do, or what we've come to achieve. So I think it really depends on who you speak to. Um, uh, for especially with, with the schools that we have um, been at. If you speak to the teachers, I mean, many times we, because our, our program is not only focused on the learners, we do teacher training. So before we go into the schools, we go to the teachers, we speak to the principals, and we are as unapologetic with them as we are with the learners. You know, we're just having an open, transparent, judge, judgment-free space. Mm. Um, sometimes the challenges that we have walked into or that we've come across is mostly when it comes to the older generations. Um, I think older generations aren't as open to having these open discussions uh, due to maybe it can even be the history of South Africa, but it can even come in here. I think people weren't always, um, especially areas of color, mm. weren't always um, encouraged to be open <laughs> about various issues that they face. So many times the older generations, when it comes to the teachers, maybe community members, um, principals, have been quite, you know, uh, weary mm. about w- what is, is being done. But the more we return to the schools, because we go to each school three times, um, the more they realize, oh, wow, our learners are responding. Our learners are learning. Our learners are enjoying. Our learners are starting to you know, understand life orientation better and even um, take part in classes, as we know that many times people look down on the mandatory subject that is life orientation. Mm. So um, many times they will then afterwards realize, actually, this project is working and we need this in our schools. So much so that schools will call us years later and be like, same project, where are you? (laughs) We have new learners. We want you to return to our schools. Mm, mm. What is the the Cycles campaign? I know this is a a new initiative that uh, that uh, you've, you've launched now. What exactly is it? Okay, cool. So Cycles campaign is twofold, but I will explain it to you so that you can understand. So bear Mm. with me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So um, the, it's first of all was started for International Menstrual Hygiene Day, which is on the 28th of May. And this is a a day that happens every year kind of to raise awareness about menstrual education and menstruation in general. Um, So we decided a couple of months ago, along with another team of people, that we wanted to do something this year. So the the campaign works in two ways. Number one, we wanted to continue um, the conversations that is taboo. We wanted to continue having discussions about menstruation, about sexual education, about, you know, having your first period and all of these things. So we brought together 
a great group of people. Uh, South African actress Denise Newman is in there, uh, KSM breakfast presenter Sherlyn Barnes, uh, actress Roxanne Kali, there's a whole lot of other people. We brought together and we asked them a couple of questions, you know, about their first periods, about their menstrual cycles, their relationship to their menstrual cycles and mm. so forth. Um, and these videos we have now created and will be releasing throughout the months of May and June and July um, to, you know, continue the conversations that people have been starting over the last couple of years. That's amazing. And then, yeah, and then secondly, um, another part of the campaign is to raise funds. Now, as a non-profit company, I think many other people who run non-profits will also tell you that sometimes applying for funding can feel like you are trying to win the lotto. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. So we decided that we need to create our own sustainable funding. And so we put our innovative brains together and we thought, okay, how can we do that? So we called up some of our, our friends who have local businesses, like Boudoir Box, it's a lingerie company. They're I amazing. know them very well. Taryn Adams, shout out. Yeah, Taryn yes, Abrams, yep. Taryn. <laughs> She's so amazing. Um, as well as Janine Binnerman Jewelry, um, and Tracy Kwai from the Kwai Gallery, and they were so passionate about this project and what we do that they decided to uh, design certain designs for this project and a certain amount of the proceeds of any of those designs that get sold as part of the campaign then comes to us, and that will run for about six months. So people can go to the shop, which will launch on the 28th of May, purchase anything from the shop, and feel good by buying amazing locally sourced products, as well as a, um, providing a needed donation to FEM projects to continue the work we do. Let's talk a little bit. I know that uh, the the issue of menstruation and particularly sanitary pads and sanitary uh, products um, and and the availability etc um, has been um, something that we've we've seen in the country. Something we've been speaking about for the last year or so. What is the hmm. position now? Are we still seeing girls um, not going to school because of uh, because they're having their periods, not having access to uh, to sanitary hygiene? Yes. For as long as there will be inequality, for as long as people will be living under, you know, the, a living wage, there will always be the issue of, oh, can I afford to buy my child pads or should I rather buy this bread? You know, we, 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 still, we still have massive inequalities in terms of poverty in this country. And this problem will not go away until we address these issues. We still have schools that don't have access to running water. We still have schools that don't have proper uh, menstrual hygiene management by way of maybe having a bin next to the toilet so that they can properly dispose of their sanitary products. Um, we still have people who can't even afford the 50 rand a month or 100 rand a month that it costs to have an a sufficient amount of pads to use for the month. So, yes, it is still a problem, and it's still something that we need to look at. We need to look at engineering products that is more sustainable so that people don't have to go every month to the shop and purchase these heavily expensive products. We need to look at being more sustainable and also being more user-friendly for these learners and people who cannot afford it. Agreed. I've always wondered why sanitary products aren't uh, free from the government. I don't under- I- I'm baffled I'm absolutely yeah. baffled by it. 
Um, and I think perhaps that, that uh, if there were more women in government uh, and just uh, in positions of power anyway, they probably would be. Uh, Kim, it's been really great having you on the show. The uh, Facebook page and or website is um, femprojects.coza. The Facebook page you can oh, go... Oh, dot org. Oh, dot I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, and uh, and you can also uh, go to um, the Facebook page just by going to Facebook and type in Fem Projects. Kim, awesome to chat to you, and uh, let's talk again soon. Thank you. It's my pleasure.